0: Showing up this week, off screen. Will Smith has a concussion. Alvin and the Chipmunks go on a road chip. Blue Steel is back in Zoolander number two. The Iron Giant gets a signature edition.
1: Eli Roth ignites the green inferno. Everything's harmonious with Gem and the Holograms. It's wildlife fun for all the family with Oddball and the Penguins.
0: Purgatory hits Pemberley in Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. And Ryan Reynolds is finally Deadpool. All those to come and more, off screen. This... Nice. Is this is off screen? Off screen, off screen, off screen. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Off Screen, the on screen radio show. Welcome to Off Screen. I'm Van Connor. I am. Case Allen. Yeah, and thank you, by the way, for giving me your bug last week. This I'm is, sorry. This is the problem with two people who have to work in such close, so, close proximity. I as do as we apologize. Do. Uh, yeah, so thanks for that. I had a great week, although I did get to watch all these films, and you got to watch some as well. And so, uh, yeah, Packed. but I, I did get to do it while, whilst hopped up on Lem so Thanks for that. Okay, it's fine. Everyone loves a good lemon sip Everyone loves a good lemon sip So, unfortunately though There were so many films As Mm. you know To Mm. fit in That we're not going to be able To do them all on this show We are going to have to shunt Some, unfortunately To the podcast extras We've had to remove Three of the nine And Mm. put them in the podcast extras Nine films Nine films Big week I know So if you want to hear The reviews of Iron Giant, Signature Edition Oddborn, The Penguins And Eli Ross, The Green Inferno And I can promise you At least two of those Are worth hearing You have to download The podcast edition And go to The end credits of it, and after the end credits of the podcast edition, are extra reviews, extra content. The moment of cage—that's a thing you don't know. I don't. This is a surprise for me. Exactly. So um, yeah, go to onscreenfilm.com, or go to iTunes, or Acast, or SoundCloud, or ZenCast, a podcast island. uh, Tune in any podcast app imaginable you can find the podcast edition and find the extra reviews and a moment of cage so we should start though what have we got first are we going to do Zoolander 2 uh
1: Zoolander 2 Zoolander two
0: yeah <laughs> which actually is a plot point he does say to us so what we have is we have a sequel to to Zoolander in which it's been 15 years um the, the Derek Zoolander school for kids who can't read good and want to learn other things has unfortunately been destroyed since Zoolander it turned out had the building made out of the very materials that the model was made out of. Oh, no. This is the actual... So he had it made out of, out of uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, construction, construction paper and, card and g- stuff, lollipop yeah. sticks, yeah. And, uh, unfortunately, this has resulted in several deaths and the disfigurement of Hansel, who has gone into exile, as has Zoolander himself. The pair are brought out of retirement and exile by a mysterious fashionista play- who's loosely uh, modelled on uh, Donatella Versace, played by mm. Kristen Wiig, and uh, they are to be the face of her new campaign, which... Zulander hopes will help him sue for custody of his uh, removed son, Derek Jr. We have a clip. Derek Zulander. Yes. Valentina Valencia. Interpol. Global Fashion Division.
1: Fashion police? We're clean, lady. Go
0: harass somebody else. Besides, I'm out of fashion. I need to talk to you. It has to do with the death of Justin Bieber. His death is not my problem. I can use the database at Interpol to help you find your son. If you help me.
1: I think we gotta play ball with her. She's got some kind of database or something that she says will help us find little Derek.
0: And she's hot. I trust her. So the idiocy has returned. Yeah. It is in form as ever. You have uh, er- Owen Wilson and Ben Stiller as Hansel and Derek Zoolander respectively, and they are having as much fun as, as, as they ever were. Now, I want to preface this by saying that I particularly have never quite gotten the whole Zoolander thing. You I know, know? It's, it's a huge cult film. Oh yeah, big time. And I ne- I kind of missed the boat on it. I think mm-hmm. I saw it when it came out, and I, and I laughed a few times, but I mostly forgot it. And most of what I know about it comes from meme culture and social networks, things like that. Yeah. And this film is very aware of that. I think. And and so selfies are quite a big gag in the film. Instagram is a big gag. Filters and everything like that. And there is this whole subplot about dead pop stars and Sting and the Chosen One and, and all this nonsense. But kind of it's material, really, when you're kind of just there to see the exploits of Derek Zula. It's kind of like an Austin Powers movie in that way. And yeah. the two are very comparable, I think. I guess so, yeah. But like uh, international espionage element as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this is going for more of a, a Cars two kind of a vibe, you know, like internet that romping yeah. international <laughs> adventure for an idiot kind of a thing. Um, there is a seamless continuation aspect to it, um, in in the sense of it has the exact same comedic caliber and tone as the first movie. Um, for me, I don't think it was quite as funny as the first one, but it is exactly as good. And I don't think it's any better or any worse. It's just th- on par. It is on par, and I think fans are going to be fine with that. Fans are going to go in and see. This is not an Anchorman Two situation, or a Dumb and Dumber, or two. a Dumb and Dumber yeah. Two situation. Definitely not a Dumb and Dumber Two situation. Oh, that was the worst, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. I think, uh, to be honest, that Blue Steel is back, uh, and everyone should celebrate. Anyone who's a fan of Blue Steel, you know, will we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll, will celebrate. And- Magnum.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And exactly,
0: yeah. yeah, and those events are referenced quite heavily, and you've got all the cameos in there. You have got Billy Zane in there. You have got yeah. oh, Justin Billy Bieber. Zane. Billy Zane Billy is, Zane is back. my absolute favorite cameo. <laughs> yeah, One. he is back. There is there's a weird cameo for Olivia Munn in there as well, oh, as, as, as herself, and because I think she's married to someone quite famous now. Okay, and um, there's also uh, a very bizarre Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, appearance. Really? Which is, yeah, never oh. mind. I don't know how the characters are expected to actually know him, but uh, he, not, not he really is quite active him. on social media. He, it days. seems he is. Yeah. Um, there is a new flair to the visuals, which seems to be brought about by the fact that uh, Ben Stiller has done Tropic Thunder since. Yeah. So he has a new sort of uh, flair. For also with Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Yes, I suppose yeah. so. Yeah, that's a bit there's more some artsy pretty good. Visuals in but, that uh, film. You say, there's, there's more memes to come, more social network <laughs> gags, I think, to come <laughs> out of this. Uh, well played, Stiller. It, I, I think it's a win for the fans. Good. What, what could what could really go wrong with that? I think I, I, you're a fan, so I think you. I say am. It. Yeah, definitely. So, oh, we should talk about Bella Heathcote, by the way. Um, yes, you of this, course, yes. this is Bella Heathcote from Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Mm. She's going to be in uh, Fifty Shades Darker as Layla, who is uh, Christian Grey's psycho ex. Yeah, I love this news this week because that's I, that's pretty interesting. I know who is. the character is meant to be, and I'm like, oh, I, can, I can see her playing. they like a psycho. Another yeah. um, uh, Kim Kim Beasonier. Is, basically, Basinger yeah. is the, the Mrs. Robinson character. Yeah. So let's talk about Alvin and the Chipmunks' road chip then. Which is the fourth in the Alpha and the Chipmunk <laughs> series, and it sees the gang forced to go on an actual road trip with their uh, potential future brother uh, f- potential future stepbrother when it emerges okay. that Dave, their uh, surrogate father, yeah. played by Jason Lee, and this is the only work he 's getting these days um it, it may be proposing to his girlfriend and they 're going to have to basically live with her really evil son. Yeah, it's exactly as bad as it sounds. And, uh, well, (laughs) we have a clip. Come on, party's over. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's mine. Oh, you had to grab one last one. Okay, enjoy that. Yeah.
1: Were you surprised?
0: No, I wasn't surprised. And you want to know why? Because hashtag Dave's party was trending on Twitter. Nice! I mean, sorry. Look, I know my work schedule is tough, but I thought you guys were old enough to take care of yourselves. But I guess you're not mature enough for that. That's
1: insulting. We are very mature. (laughs) Sorry.
0: Toots. Yeah, the chipmunks are back and Pizza they're making, making fart jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you know what? There's been four of these now. I think if you're not on board with it, you're not going to yeah. get on board with it's it. It's the same old simple it, formula, isn't it? It, it is. Yeah. And I think to be honest, this is not the worst of the chipmunk sequels. I which, mean, I, which was the worst? In I your I didn't like the squeakle at all. I love, um, I love the title of a title, <laughs> but I didn't like the squeakle. I thought the tagline "Go monk yourself" was a bit. On the nose, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> um, and then I thought "Chipwrecked" was kind of a step too far and an insult to the good name of David Cross, which even he has said in interviews since he regrets well, doing that. And he did has, do a has he, money. Has he been in the first two as well? He was in the first two movies as but well, but he's. Yeah. And that's the end of his case. He's, decided not to he's be replaced this one. in this one by Tony Hale, um, the director of these films. used to step out. Is of, he just going through all the cast of the development? <laughs> yeah, going through the rest <laughs> development because yeah. they've gone from from uh, Buster to go uh, to no no Arrested to go is it? It's uh, Tobias. They've gone from Tobias, Tobias yeah. to uh, Buster, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, with with the hook. So yeah. we can we can expect Will Arnett to turn up as the villain in the next. We need one. to get some more money for Will Arnett. I think he's, so, he's pulling yeah.
1: in the Teenage Mutant uh, Ninja
0: Turtle money. He, he is. Yeah. Uh, this is to say no more or less offensive than the others i don't think it's anywhere near as bad as the previous two but uh, it quality wise don't expect much in the way of a step up or down it is what it is it's another it's a fourth chipmunks movie i think just saying that out loud you kind of know what you're gonna get with the latest film news and reviews this is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show and we're back from our impromptu air guitar session yeah, Every single week <laughs> every, every single week. week Yep, we do um, So we should talk about competitions If you pop along to onscreenfilm.com Go on our competition section There's always stuff to be won I think at the minute we've got DVD sets Of the first season of The Librarians To give Ooh, away Noah Wiley with Noah Wiley, yeah and Christian One time Ke- jobs uh, Rebecca Remain's in there as well actually. Oh, is she sure really? Yeah, Rebecca Remain, Reca- Remain's the lead Noah Wiley's oh. just recurring, man Oh, really? Yeah, uh. Noah Wiley's just, he He's the big name recurring star Because that's all the rage at the minute It like, is, yes. Bradley just Cooper's got that like, gig it. Every now and again. There is another high-profile actor. In fact, two this week who've been offered similar roles. Actually, in, in, okay. in but before we talk about those, we've got to get awful lot. So, should we do the box office top ten and get that out of the way? Let's do it. Number ten, Daddy's Home. Daddy's Home, but Daddy's leaving the top ten. It seems very quickly. <laughs>
1: but, you know what? Seven weeks. Seven weeks good, is yeah. not a
0: bad, not a bad run. For I like, mean,
1: for like a film of that size, for a film of that good. size,
0: and I think it's it's been kind of low key for a uh, for a Will Ferrell comedy as well. Yeah, for strangely, Be- I think because it came out. Christmas when, when it was we were so busy when the release schedule was so packed yeah and uh, well I mean I'm uh, I'm really happy the film turned out as well as it did I think it is far less crass than it could have been I found it really funny I found it really well written and I like the inversion of the casting I thought some of the gags were violently funny and uh, well really it was this great sort of you know men's comedy about divorce which is not something I think that existed before really other than th- there was a, a film in the mid 90s with uh, I forget the name of it. it. Starred Matthew Modine, but it was fun, it was fantastic. I'll have to look that Matthew up. Modine and Paul Riser, and it was sponsored by McDonald's. Number nine. Ah <sighs> Point break, point rebreak, pointless break, no break. Did I tell you last week when we were reviewing it about that line where someone says, yeah, you got to reach the point. <laughs> yes. The point at which you, break. you break. I think that sums it up, doesn't no, it? No, no. The, the problem is, if you watch the original film, even in 1991, they were aware that there was a certain level of irony involved. Yeah. And this film has none of that. It is just this dry, generic, pseudo-gritty action thriller. But it looks like it's been fused with this team Red corporate video and the problem is there's there's a clashing theology behind it all there's this weird hippie granola sentiment beneath it all and what is that thing called the something eight the osaki eight the the, the osaki yeah i'm sure it's the osaki like a series of challenges because you know really these guys are just looking for enlightenment and the problem is you'll get anything but from the film itself number eight Ride along too. Probably not going to find in any form of enlightenment here either. No, most definitely not. <laughs> uh, you won't find any laughs here either, either, or you won't find any action thrills, or you won't find any suspense or any enjoyment. It is. It's. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's like if you know. You know if you ever meet like a famous comedian yeah. and you find that in reality they're actually just kind of dry and not particularly kind really of funny. Yeah. It's kind of like that, but on the big screen. With but, on, Kevin Hart. but it's actually played out, yeah. and there's Olivia Munn there picking up a paycheck, and Ken Jeong reminding us that he can be irritatingly unfunny when he wants to be. And no, it's just if you're gonna buy, you going why, you if you can make the new lethal weapon, why don't you? That's my issue. It, <laughs> Why, you have it's a just kind of Half of cooked ability. isn't it And
1: yeah Terrible
0: it, it's, it's it's out of ammo That's the problem <laughs> That there, there is no ammo In the chamber Number seven The Big Short The Big Short Which is all ammo In the chamber You are so wild
1: After that
0: last I really movie. was <laughs> I really was I'm sorry but We we do like this We like The Big Short
1: it's We good. do like The Big Short
0: We like all the performances In it We like oh, yeah. the writing We like the directing yeah. I, I, I loved everything About The Big sure. Short And it's a film I keep thinking about As well This is the thing As, as the weeks go by yeah. I keep thinking 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 back on this film. I'm thinking about the big short more than I'm thinking about Spotlight. And I've seen Big Short twice, Spotlight once. I'm still thinking about the Big Short. And I know that Spotlight probably, if you break it down, is probably a better film. I've seen them both twice now. Right. I think I know Spotlight probably is a better film, but I'm thinking more about the Big Short. I loved the Big Short. I no, I might... Actually, I'm not in a minority. No, everyone Loans I speak to people people seems like to it. have loved yeah. it. And, and it, it is halfway between Wolf of Wall Street and Margin Call. And it is the happy medium. It and it is that perfect, that sweet spot between the two. And it's all the better for it. Number six... Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Well, it's finally dropped below the top five. It has number six. It yeah. has. Well, you know what? It's still awesome. And it is. I was in a multiplex this morning, and uh, I saw the cues for Star Wars. It's still hard there. Term. Those cues are still there. It, that man. film is still going to be raking in the money. It's not hit a billion yet. I actually think it might. Given the cues this morning, I actually think there's a decent chance... Well, it's, it could...
1: it's just crossed uh, two, $2 billion. Oh, worldwide, sorry.
0: Worldwide, I'm, I'm thinking has, of the yeah. US figure side. Oh, just
1: US. I, I think that's, that is, like, the next... Master. I think it is. I think it's the next one to go. Yeah, because as much as it pains me to say it, it's not going to hit the Avatar It's one. not going to hit it's the Avatar It's But
0: no. it might dethrone the Titanic. It might. But you know what? It, it's better than both. I do it think Force Awakens is yeah. better than both those films. Absolutely. It is awesome. I think everybody should see it. I can't wait for the home release. Yeah and well, um episode 8 has started shooting it has i, I read yeah. that as well but yes star wars what a haul you know so let's move on to the other big haul of the week then Which is of course Deadpool
1: yeah,
0: We've been waiting a long we time We have been waiting a very long time So Deadpool is, is Wade Wilson Is Ryan Reynolds Is the Merc <laughs> with a Mouth Ryan Reynolds plays Wade Wilson A mercenary for hire who defends the little guy So a bit a nice of saying he gets paid to beat, beat up stalkers and things Essentially like that. yeah um, When he discovers that he has The most aggressive kind of terminal cancer imaginable And believe me they lay it on thick It's like everywhere isn't it He's literally everywhere in him. He undergoes, in the name of his one true love, Marina Baccarin, because she's so lovely that you would... Uh, you absolutely would do what he does, which is enlist in a secret and experimental program to activate a mutant gene within him to fight the cancer by effectively making him a superhero. However, the process leaves him disfigured, vengeful, presumed dead, and out for blood on those who put him that way. Albeit he's now immortal, and given this Wolverine-style healing factor, he's also the most meta-man alive. We don't have a clip, but we do have a sort of edited trailer. Here's a clip. Hey! I wanna shoot, baby. Shoot. Kinda lonesome back here. A little help here. Excuse me. Woo! Dopinder. Pool. Dead. Why the fancy red suit, Mr. Pool? Oh, that's because it's Christmas Day, Dopinder. And I'm after someone on my naughty list. You're probably thinking, this was a superhero movie, but that guy in the suit just turned that other guy into a kebab. Surprise, this is a different kind of superhero story. Mr. Wilson, you've recently been diagnosed with terminal cancer.
1: We can fight this.
0: What if I told you we can cure you and give you abilities most men only dream of? I'd say that you sound like an infomercial, but not a good one, like Slap Chop, more Shake Weighty. So Ryan Reynolds has been after this for years. It's been a decade. Yeah. He had one very brief shot at it, which I think we all know we went don't. very we really badly. We don't really talk about it anymore, do we? We don't. No. So this is from the studio, which thought that the Fantastic Four reboot was even in theory a good idea, and the <laughs> movie star with not one but three failed attempts to start a superhero franchise on his resume. And from these two comes Deadpool. Ten years in the making. It's gone through three directors. It went through. Uh, I'm trying to got the list. It went through David Goyer, Robert Rodriguez, oh, and yeah. now on. Tim Miller. I forgot Robert Rodriguez was even going to do it. For one point, at one time, that was that was the dream. I'm getting through this quickly because it was so So, much to say and not enough time. And wow, it's written by uh, what's his name, Uh, Rhett Reese and Paul Vernick, who brought us *Zombieland*. Directed by visual effects was uh, Tim Miller. (laughs) It has a cast which includes Ed Screen, T.J. Miller, Marina Baccarin, Gina Carano, a bunch of little cameos, and it is fantastically funny it is the most meta superhero film imaginable it's a film which grabs its own crotch and then thrusts its hips at you repeatedly it's a film that would rather kick you in the nuts than have you believe it doesn't have any it's so funny and wow did you expect this not not to be this funny (laughs) no and it, 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 it doesn't flinch at all in the face of overwhelming odds because the deck is stacked
1: against it yeah, it completely embraces its own like self-referential nature doesn't it it is true. i mean even yeah. the
0: opening credits are an elongated oh, gag that, in this that's movie that's probably my favorite gag not to say that's where like it kind of peaked for me but that was a great way to start it it's true it. you've got a director who lands the greatest punch with his visual effects background he finds a way to incorporate massive amounts of C- of, of small scale cgi yeah. but massive amounts of them um without them feeling overwhelming and it all feels like this small compact well made film and we were really pressing for time um <laughs> i mean, to talk about it more. i do i'm a huge huge fan of it and I want to see it again I think it is the zombie land of superhero movies and wow you know Merc with a mouth done good what more key say with the latest film news and reviews this is Offscreen and we're back. So, should we uh, should we look at uh, Will Smith's stab at an Oscar nomination for the year? Then it's not worked, or has it? It hasn't really, has it? Uh, so no. this is uh, this is Concussion then, which is the uh, the second. This is the sophomore effort, believe it or not, for uh, writer director Peter Landersman. Are you hmm. familiar with his work? I'm
1: not. What else has Peter Landersman brought us, Ben?
0: Uh, Peter Landersman uh, famously brought us uh, Parkland. Do you remember Parkland? Oh, really? Yeah, the JFK. He did, one. and uh, then he. God, he, I keep forgetting this. Oh, it was Kill the Messenger. He wrote Kill the Jeremy Messenger yeah, with course, Jeremy yes. Renner. Yeah. Yeah. So he's now come back, writer, director. He's written this. It's the true story of Dr. Bennett Umalu, uh, who was a Nigerian uh, pathologist uh, working in Pittsburgh who one day um, autopsies a fallen icon, the, a former uh, Pittsburgh football player, um, and discovers that he died of something called CTE, a brain trauma brought on by repeated blows to the head, something the NFL quickly tried to squash when he discovers it's a repeating pattern in the world of professional football. Here's a clip of Will Smith and Alec Baldwin. Look, the league has kept everyone in the dark,
1: and you turned on the lights and gave their biggest boogeyman a name. What's happening now, what you think they're doing to you, that's nothing. I've done my own research on this NFL brain injury committee. You know what Dr. Elliot Pelman is? He's a rheumatologist. He's a specialist in arthritis and joint pain. Can you tell me what a rheumatologist knows about the brain and brain disease? Corporate men like this in this country usually go to Harvard or Yale. He went to
0: medical school in Guadalajara. Mexico? Yes. I did not know that. That's beautiful. So this is not the NFL drama that the marketing would have had you believe, which I think was part of the whole Oscar problem. Mm. Um, what you've actually got, though, is this much more straight-up medically based conspiracy drama thriller. And at the centre of it all, you have an excellent performance from Will Smith, who struggles a little bit with the Nigerian accent, as you can hear in the clip. Um, yet his performance is so unflinchingly good that you kind of you forgive the accent early on, and you just settle into. God, it's just good to see Will Smith again. Yeah. You He he is a genuine movie star He is a genuine movie star Although I'm still Finding it weird Getting used to him Without the facial hair To be honest Am I the only one That finds that Will Smith still looks Odd to me Without facial hair Let's just wait Until Suicide Squad When he's got The uncle Phil beard But um, This is all about Peter Landersman for me And he Mm. has proven For a second time now That he's as good Behind a keyboard As he is behind the camera Because his script Is one of those Classical Mainstream Hollywood Made for adults films In which It's funny It's insightful it's witty, it's thrilling, it's suspenseful. It's non-Oscar calibre, but it doesn't need to be because the film is enjoyable enough that it, it it doesn't in any way make you... You're too busy enjoying it to think about that. And that controversy, I think, is unfair to the film. The film is better than that controversy paints it to be. Uh, Will Smith has this, this natural likeability which the film plays on really well, and he has a great dynamic with uh, Alec Baldwin as a result. <laughs> and Alec Baldwin gets to play sort of the straight man to Will Smith's off-kilter oddball, but very, very long- Likeable Dr. Amalu the short straw I think does fall though to Gugu and Bartha raw terrific actress who, having made the, the, that great breakthrough performance in uh, Bell. Bell, that yeah. was it. Um, she's now relegated to sort of this thankless wife role, and then mm. most of her sort of character stuff is swept off screen. Her entire relationship with Will Smith gets relegated to off screen material. At one point, she shows up, she's pregnant, and he's Wait, you just met in the last scene, and he proposed to you. And then they've gotten married, and, and this has all happened off screen. Come on, you deserve better than this. Um, the other one is uh, Roger Goodell, the NFL chairman, shows up, played in a cameo by Luke Wilson, and given the no way. Yeah, <laughs> given the legendary sleaze that is Roger Goodell, you can't help but think there's a bit of a waste there, because yeah. he only has two lines, I think. Hmm. And you think, like, oh, that's kind of a shame. It is engaging to those who know nothing of the real uh, real controversy who know nothing of the NFL you'll still find this gripping and engaging and in the case of uh, some friends of mine who saw it with me uh, fellow critics who don't know anything about the NFL they were gripped they were genuinely uh, shocked that this was a real thing that this had happened and yeah it is that's how good the story is it will absolutely blow your mind that this took place were you um, aware of uh, the condition before you saw the film then? because you, you are a fan of I am the a NFL. fan of the NFL and I was aware of the condition yeah. but uh, yeah so we should crack on with the top 10 Let's, it, yeah. so let's, let's finish it off. Let's finish the box office top ten for the week. Number five: Spotlight. Spotlight, which I did say I loved, and it is a great film. And of all the Oscar crop, it might actually be the best film. This year, it, yeah, it, it, it could be. be. he SAG? He won the SAG award for best ensemble. Yeah, it, it could really be, and that's it. It is the best ensemble. It is yeah, an ensemble. Is, yeah, I mean, don't get wrong. The Big Short is also an ensemble, but I think mean, we get to talk about the Big Short in a minute. I think, but we've, um, already,
1: talked. we've already spoken about it. Have we already? Yeah, oh, we, you, you love Big Short so much; you just want to talk about it all the time.
0: I do, I do. That's yeah. what it is. But no, I love Keaton in this. I love Ruffalo in this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Rachel, Rachel McAdams, yeah. yeah. um I love everyone in this. I love the writing of it. I love the way it makes journalism genuinely thrilling. That's the subject of a thriller and the story of course is haunting and shocking and horrifying and it all comes together to deliver this thoroughly gripping edge of your seat nail-biting journalistic film and wow i mean there's nothing really more he can say for it well. it. well that is it number four Dirty Grandpa. Dirty Grandpa. Dirty, dirty, filthy Grandpa. Well, it is still being hated on, I think, by uh, most critics, bar mm. myself, David Edwards and Alex <laughs> You, You did quite like it, didn't you? I, mean, you I did quite like it. I am in a minority of three. I am literally <laughs> one of three critics who liked this. And I know because the other two and I laugh about the fact that we're the only ones. <laughs> but you know what? Robert De Niro's having some fun. Zach Efron's doing something different. Uh, Aubrey Plaza steals the show. And, you yeah. know, what, it, it is this classically screwball kind of a comedy. It is a little bit, you might say a little bit, it's a very crass, very juvenile, very on-the-nose film. It contains humour, the likes of which will mortify most people. But its heart is in the right place. And you do laugh to the extent that you think, you know what, do what you want, I'm amused. And it's a comedy, so you can't really object to that. Number three. This next film was not a comedy... The Revenant. The Revenant. No, 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 it was not a comedy. Although, no, no, no humour to be had. Although, you know, there is something of a sort of unintentional comedy to it that you just think, oh my God, I can't believe this guy is going through all this. There, <laughs> I are, guess so, yeah. there are points when you do find <laughs> <Poor> yourself... <Leo. laughs> you, you laugh out of the horror of the situation. Yeah. And it is a horrifying film. very haunting When film, he's very... climbing out of a grave or... It,
1: oh God, yeah. When he goes full Star Wars Empire Strikes Back It is and, one of yeah.
0: the great artistic Hollywood films of the 21st century. I don't think that can be Disputed. I think Inyuritu is easily one of the great auteurs of our yeah. age. If you believe that, that, that in author, that is
1: theory. the word to say. I think, I think so. Yeah, I believe in author an theory, a... and I think he so is. So do I. Yeah.
0: But I do, then again, I think Abrams, in his own way, is an author. But you know, Could I mean, argue that Michael Bay is, but then you would be a fool. Let's let's never again argue that Michael Bay is an author. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, Dad's Army. Dad's Army. Have you seen Dad's Army? I've not.
1: I just. And and I, I was a fan of the show. I didn't know if you were somebody gonna, of like my age could be. Like my, my grand would always have it on. I
0: so. didn't know if you're gonna strap on the cardigan, pop down the Sunday afternoon, give it a watch. I do look the sort, don't I? You do look the sort. <laughs> strap on the cardigan. Uh, no, this, so many cardigans. I didn't laugh. Um and I at any point I watched it and I just thought this is aimed at people over seventy years old. And mm. the problem with that is that anybody over seventy years old is just going to be wishing that they were watching the original cast. And anybody younger than seventy years old is going to think, why is this film talking down to me and pretending it's a film from 50 years ago? Why is it not in any way sort of up to the cinematic calibre of a film made now? And that that's a problem for me. It is kind of patronising in terms of roughly kind of how low-kilter it really is.
1: Number one. Goosebumps.
0: Which I really liked. So did I. I, I yeah. liked Goosebumps. I thought Goosebumps is the new. I think it is the new Jumanji. I think it's it is totally that level. Yeah, it no, is. Night
1: at museum. That kind of level. That's it. Yeah.
0: It's not the museum. It's Jumanji. It's it's Casper. It's it is Casper. It is yeah. Casper. Itself. It's all these things, and totally. you, and he, I think for a new generation of kids, it is going to be that for them, and I'm really happy about that. You yeah. so rarely get to look at a film and say, "Wow, this is a film that has an iconic place for a new generation." And I loved that about it And I thought Jack Black really sold it And I thought the writing was really great And the the direction was really fun And I loved it I I loved the R.L. Stein cameo I loved the generic horror archetypes that are in it I was thrilled and I had a lot of fun with it And I thought it was a great all-round family film With the latest film news and reviews This is Offscreen The on-screen radio show and we're back and dancing. We definitely Michael.
1: dance way too much. We dance way, way too much happens. for that.
0: So, unfortunately, uh, we're going to need to stop dancing. I think because it's it's time for uh, oh, yeah. it, it's time to, to kill the music. It's the, it's the day the music dies. Unfortunately, it's time to talk about Gem and the Holograms, which is the adaptation of the '80s Hasbro toy line and animated series in which a young girl achieves YouTube fame as happened in the 80s and became an overnight pop star we've
1: got another film about a YouTube star
0: exactly yeah. and she, she becomes an overnight pop star takes her sisters along for the ride um, and uh, well while they're in Los Angeles embarking on the journey of fame they also discover that uh, Jerica, who is the, the young girl the lead girl um, mm. has an unfinished robot left behind by her uh, late father a scientist and that once they reach Los Angeles where Jerrica's originally from the robot springs to life so while While they're doing their whole discovering fame and and all this stuff, they also have a robot leading them on a scavenger hunt around L.A. to famous spots relevant to Jerrica's childhood, which may unearth hidden treasures and memories from Jerrica's youth. We have a clip.
1: It just seems like ever since we got here that that I've been leading this double life, you know, because Jem was supposed to be a disguise and something that I could hide behind. But now it just seems to be this other version of me and... I don't know, more and more it seems to be the only version that, you know, people want. I wouldn't be too sure about that. I mean, yes, Jem is glamor and and glitter. Fashion and fame. And I can't imagine how tempting it might be to lose yourself to something like that. When I look at you, I don't see Jem. My eyes, you're the same incredible girl that I sang with under the pier that night.
0: Do you want to take a minute, Case?
1: Do you want to what? take a minute?
0: What was that? So, no. that, please Why? please think about that clip for a second and mm. then think about what I've just told you about a robot, a robot. whose name by the way is uh, 51N3RGY as as we're then told, or as we called him, Synergy. No, no, his name was Synergy. You, you, just, you just gave him a stupid robotic barcode name. That frustrates me. And, and, and Yeah, so that, that uh, clip comes yeah. from a movie that has a subplot out of Earth to Echo. Right. Right, okay. Here's where it gets even worse. It doesn't even have the courtesy, the common courtesy, the good grace or the manners to be in any way enjoyable or fun about it. It is one of the dullest films you will ever see. You have never seen this much, just this much filtered colour thrown at a screen and been so bored. Oh. Did you watch the whole film? I watched the whole for all 118 agonising minutes you of it. You are a
1: martyr to the cause. So. Wow. <laughs>
0: I, oh, I, I take it feels yeah. about four days long. Juliette Lewis, who is the sleazy record executive, that that's of, that's, of that's the world yeah. we live in now. By yeah. the way, is the only person in any way enjoying herself in this film. And no, good God! I mean, John and Chun Chu, who directed this, is the director mm. of Step Up 3D. So you'd expect some flair, yeah. and he tries. He really tries. Hence the the, the color being flung at the screen. But you know what? You will be long asleep by the time he gets to anything resembling a point, and you've got this relatively un- relative unknown writing the screenplay. A guy named Ryan Landles has written the screenplay, and you're thinking, there's a reason you're relatively un- unknown, and a reason you will stay that way, or yeah. should stay that way, because, you know, in Hollywood you fail upwards. So you'll probably- that's the way that it works. He'll-, yeah. he'll be writing the next Marvel movie next. He'll get another Transformers, yeah. He'll-, he'll do the next Transformers movie. Um, he- at its core is this story about the small town band Done Good, yeah. which, you know,
1: it's, it's basically Josie and the Pussycats. Well, isn't that's it. it.
0: This is Josie and the Pussycats without any satire, but a lot of vomit instead. It's like being lobotomised with a lollipop whilst floating in a bubble bath. Is is the best way I can describe it? You are completely numb in a bubble bath, being lobotomised with a sharpened lollipop. Just just look at that
1: picture of John M. Chu
0: and, and, and Justin, Justin Bieber Beaver.
1: wearing matching purple sunglasses. That, that sums it up. That, that really sums does. It up.
0: Yeah. Um, it, I don't know how to describe it. It has as much substance as an actual hologram. That's, that's the only <laughs> way to say it. It is. It's this void of film. It is. You would rather watch uh, *Paint Dry*, a a beige. You you know the part that really just makes you want to scream—the part where you start pulling your hair out, wanting to scream—the way you got Homer Simpson—is when when it gets to the end credits. And for the love of God, they then set up a sequel, an actual sequel. There is a sequel set up to this
1: dross. Shall we just do some film news for you, like? Bust a blood vessel. I
0: think I might. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, Brooklyn's going to be a TV series. Did you know this? I did. And Brooklyn, I loved Brooklyn's be a TV series. Uh, yeah. uh, Alfonso Cuaron's son, Jonas, who wrote Gravity, uh, yes. he's he's going to do a Zorro movie called Z. Called Z. Yeah. yeah
1: that has been in the works for a while. It has. And its star, at one point, was going to be uh, Gael Garcia Bernal.
0: That would have been amazing. That would have been fantastic. So, should we look at Pride and Prejudice and Zombies? Yeah, let's do that. Right. Okay. So, you know the plot of Pride and Prejudice, presumably. I'm vaguely familiar. There's a bunch of white people in corsets and they all want to date each other. Yeah, that that's it. Yeah, I'm kidding. Okay. Okay, that's not the plot, okay. right? <laughs> I'm right. Just, no, I'm so just, I'm just humouring you know In a Britain besieged by by the undead, you, it has now become the norm that women are expected to be as well versed in the art of com uh, of the the martial arts as they are the marital. And this is why Elizabeth Bennet finds it so beneath her to uh, to in- to indulge mm. the, the whims and desires mm. of potential suitors. She, however, her match in Colonel Darcy, played by Sam Riley. Sorry, Lily James is Elizabeth Bennet in this version. Right? Yeah. Colonel Darcy is Sam Riley, and the undead are coming. By the way, Matt Smith, Doctor Who himself, is Mr. Collins in this version. Yes, I heard about him. And that. he's fantastic. Here's <laughs> a clip. Charles Bingley, pleased to make your acquaintance. Mrs. Bennet, we've heard so much about you, Mr. Bingley. My daughters, all of impeccable character. May I introduce my friend, Mr. Darcy of Derbyshire. Miss Bennet, may I be so bold as to request the next two dances, if you're not otherwise engaged? I'm not engaged. Good for you, Mr. Bingley. You chose the loveliest of my daughters. Mother. I consider dancing to be the first refinement of polished society. Don't you agree, Mr. Darcy? No, every savage can dance. Why, I imagine even zombies could do it to some degree of success. So Sam Riley there as Colonel Darcy as you can uh, you can hear and he's a lot of fun in this. He's really going for the uh, a, a, a bit oh, of good. that Colin Firth a bit. Yeah. Like he he's forgetting that Matthew McFadgin ever took a stab at this. He's going full <laughs> Firth. God bless him for it as well. He's a lot of fun in it. And uh, we got Lily James who makes for a pretty good uh, Elizabeth Bennet. Uh, Matt Smith steals the show absolutely as Mr Collins. Mm. Um but for me it, it's all about uh, Burstiers who's the uh, the writer-director uh, who has, and I'm not familiar with this with the source to with the mashup novel that this all comes from, which I think is seven years old now. It's something like that, yeah. Uh, is it Seth Seth, Seth Graham Smith? Yeah. Um, I'm not terribly familiar with the novel. I've never actually got around. I own a copy. I've never got around mm. to reading it. It's a lie, really. um, but the, the the film is incredibly funny. It is best compared, I think, to Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. But it's a lot more successful in, in the, on the same sort of, let's do established history, but add a supernatural element. Yeah. It is a lot more successful in that regard. The cast are all fun. They're all up for it. They're all having a laugh. Charles Dance is enjoying himself. Lena Headey turns he up is. to kick some ass. Because <laughs> <laughs> Lena Headey. Yeah, um, that's what she does. Exactly. And there is a lot of fun to be had um uh, you will enjoy yourself you will laugh you will actually gen- find it genuinely hilarious at times and i, I didn't expect i thought i thought it was a gimmicky concept that you would you would start watching and then the gimmick would wear thin very quickly it would be another sort of black dynamite kind of a kind of an affair i call it the black dynamite theory where the gimmick just doesn't hold up really oh, i will not hear though. you speak i love black dynamite I, I love the theme song and everything, but the, the gimmick does dynamite. wear thin um but the film does hold up the film does work it works because of great casting great direction great writing and I, I really enjoyed it I, I I thought there was enough it's not it doesn't reinvent the wheel but there's enough yeah. visual flair to proceedings as well for it all to it has this romping fun energetic <laughs> sensibility uh, it also has my favorite take on Wickham that I've seen in any adaptation of proud and Prejudice so there you go Jack Houston wins as my favorite Wickham now <laughs> so th- this I think is the fourth Version of Rand Brezers I've seen. So. Yeah. <laughs> Who else has played Wickham? Do you know? I couldn't name any of the actors in any of the previous versions. I, I forget. I, I will look. I, we'll talk about it in the, f- in the podcast extras. We will talk about it in the podcast yeah. extras. Extra Wickham. So we should pick a film of the week then. Mm, I wonder what it's going to be. <laughs>
1: hey, yeah, I want to shoot, baby.
0: Shoot. It's Deadpool, clearly. It's got, it's got to be Deadpool, I think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I really liked Concussion as well, though. I did think Concussion, I think, is is a really good, solid piece of... Do you know what? I am actually going to go watch it now. You've
1: you've kind of turned me around. around. I think
0: so. I think you'll be intrigued by the story. I think yeah. it's for the grown-ups. It's definitely for the grown-ups. Uh, so, um, well, we've got loads of stuff next week to look at as yeah. well. So, well, next week we've got The Finest Hours... Uh, Chris Pine on a boat. Chris Pine on a boat, on a boat with an Affleck. What could go wrong? You know, yeah, it's
1: it's probably my favorite Affleck. I think. Is he your favorite
0: Affleck? I, li- I do like me some Casey. Uh, I'm yeah. all about the band, man. Oh. <laughs> Taco flavored kisses for my band. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, Bone Tomahawk, starring uh, Kurt yeah, Russell. Russell. That's and, next and week. His mustache. Yep, we've got that to look forward to next week. Uh, we've got Triple Nine, starring Chewy Tell, Edgy of Four i uh, have got that to look forward to. What What's you here to you for? That's, that's got Casey that's Affleck got as Casey well Affleck. We've got, um, Woody Howlson is it? We've got that? two Casey Afflecks next week It's going to gonna be a fine to. week It, has, it is going to be fine We've got How to be Single as well With uh, Rebel Wilson No Casey Affleck to. No Casey Affleck in that one uh, We've also got Free Hell. That one's been uh, Well it's been Free Held Back For some time And that's um, I that, feel like that joke has been as well it, 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 That Free Held Joke That yeah. Free Held Joke Has been Free Held Back for a while uh, That's uh, Julia uh, 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 Moore Julia um, Moore
1: um, and lane Page
0: Ellen Page and I, th- I don't know why I keep, I keep thinking it's Chris Ellen Page sorry. you said Elaine yeah. I yeah. said Elaine Page
1: not Lane Page not in it there's, there's no caps the okay
0: thing. you know what fine we'll skip the court martial this time so we've got finest hours bone time triple nine how to be single free held all those to come And more next week on screen. Don't forget, check the podcast edition for our podcast extras and the reviews we couldn't fit into the actual (laughs) show. It was quite a packed week. It (laughs) was quite a packed week. So this has been the Candy Store production for On on Screen. I've been Van Connor. I've been K-Song. And we'll be back next week. Just show me the way to get out of here and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Off Screen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. Podcast Extras time, Mr. Allen. So, uh, should we do a piece of film news review? Piece of film news review? That sounds pretty good, yeah. That sounds pretty good to me. So let's talk about... MacGyver is going to be rebooted as not only a TV series, but a movie as well. Yes. We don't know whether the two are going to be connected. Just get Will Forte in to do it. Yeah, exactly. You can blend the two. Tonight on MacGyver. 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 (laughs) And Selma has one hour to live. (laughs) (laughs) So, on then to the Iron Giant Signature Edition, which sees everybody's favourite Iron Man brought. Well, not my favourite Iron Man, but everyone's favourite Iron Man. favourite Iron Man. Everyone's first favourite Iron Man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, brought back to the big screen in what is effectively a. It's not a director's cut. It's got two extra scenes that were. They were never animated. They existed as storyboards. And they've now been uh, polished up, animated uh, by a new director, and inserted back into the narrative. And they do, one of them in particular strangely adds to something that was already there and it was fine before but its so hmm. what you've got is the story of young boy Hogarth a small town boy who discovers a robot as you do yeah. and he might be about 70 foot tall He's something like that yeah. robot who has fallen from the sky <laughs> and he must protect him as the government encroach into the town and start investigating the government being played by uh, is it Harry uh, Connick? no no Christopher no. McDonald plays oh, yeah. yeah who yeah, yeah. Well, plays the sleazy government agent I'm gonna get IMDb, that... I'm exactly Harry Jr. plays his only adult friend. That's it, yes. Who's a beatnik who looks an awful lot like Mr. Allen here. And uh, he really does, Case. And what follows is 1999's most heartwarming animated feature, which gave the world the wonder that is Mr. Brad Bird. We have a clip.
1: Shut off Switch. You saw me save you. So, where are you from You came from the sky, right? From up there? Don't you remember anything? Hmm. Maybe it's that bump on your head. Do you talk? You know words blah 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 like that? Can you do that? Blah blah blah? Well, you get the idea anyway.
0: Do you find it interesting now to know that this was a commercial flop when it came out? Yeah, like, it, it, it's, it's so weird. It? Well, I say commercial flop. It made, and this is the quote, just thirty million. Yeah. But, just, but it cost seventy million to make. And this is Brad Bird at his absolute finest. This is where he has gone, and he seems to have made what, if if you didn't have any context for it, you and you just had the film plopped in front of you, you would assume was actually a Disney film. From nineteen fifty nine, nineteen six, thereabouts, mm. which is when it's set, yeah. and you would assume it is good. It is, that good, that it is it level is of calibre, classically brilliant. It is. It is this masterpiece of family <clears throat> animation. It is the quintessentially Spielbergian story of a boy and his robot. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it is just. It's a wonderful, enchanting film, and it remains so more than ever. Um, the two scenes that have been reinserted into it add nothing they don't add more than two minutes of runtime to it it's literally two minutes longer but the the real sort of uh, uh, the real sort of takeaway is how well it's been cleaned up it's a really lavish mm. really, restoration yeah it's yeah. a really lavish really polished restoration it is a wonderful film it's now given the definitive treatment it's always deserved uh, it's on Blu-ray finally as well and oh, I need to get it on Blu-ray you should get yeah. the signature edition on Blu-ray it's getting I'm a theatrical filled release i think it's theatrical for a week and then it goes to blu-ray okay. and yeah. yeah if you've never seen it though which I know you and I have. Many but times, if, you, if, yeah. you've if you've seen never seen it, it, go go see it on the big screen as, as it deserves yeah. to be seen and watch this modern classic. If you if you have seen it and you love it, which I'd expect are the two and two of the same thing, really, um, then find a friend who hasn't seen it. Take them. You know?
1: That's a good. Yeah, that's a very that's good piece it. of advice. This, yeah. this is the time. This is the time to, to like introduce
0: this. your friends yeah. to the Iron Giant. Was this a film um, that
1: you saw um, on the big screen first time it was out?
0: Uh, no, I didn't. Not not, not I, the very I, first I time. I didn't. I actually, believe it or not, saw it on DVD back in 1999 for the yeah. first time, <laughs> and, uh, I, and I and I loved it. It was one of those I was like, wow, this is. It, it enchanted me in the way that. I thought it was like a classic Disney film, yeah. even back then. I love the voice cast. I love Harry Connick Jr. I love uh, John Mahoney from Frasier as the, course, general. Yeah, the general. Yeah. I love, as you point, shoot Shooter shoot the McGavin. The Christopher <laughs> McDonald as yeah. uh, as Agent Manley. Who's, who's the mum? Jennifer Anderson. Uh, Jennifer Anderson is Aniston. the mum. And
1: then, of course, as the giant himself. Mr. Vin Diesel, sir. Yeah. And he is doing that sort of a group role. This is he almost is, a yeah. proto-group. This group. is like, yeah, a proto-group. That is a perfect way of putting it.
0: But, uh, no, I think it is a great animated film. I think it's a great animated film yeah. for all ages, and I think mm. it is for all times. Uh, I can't recommend highly enough that you check it out. I think it's an absolutely amazing film. I want to point out as well, as much as I love Tim mccanley 's uh, screenplay and Brad Bird's wonderful direction, Michael Kamen's score, how wonderful that is mm. in this film. So, uh, one quick piece film news then, as we promised. Ethan Hawke has been approached to star in a recurring capacity as his training day character in training day the series yes he will now I'll be that please he will now be the deputy chief who sends a young rookie undercover to trap a corrupt cop oh how awesome is this but wait he's not the only one Sam michelle gell has been offered a similar role in cruel intentions the series
1: so is that like the new trend
0: this the is year? the new trend bradley cooper started this apparently it's going to be the new thing so bradley cooper's doing it for limitless it's going to be the thing On, though, to Oddball and the Penguins, Australian movie based on a true story about a farmer, a chicken farmer, who trying to uh, protect his daughter who runs a wildlife sanctuary for penguins. The penguins are being picked off uh, by foxes who have worked out they can traverse its water barrier and Mm -hmm. pick off penguins one at a time. He enlists his troublesome dog, Oddball, or Oddie as he's called, when he he discovers that Oddie has something of an affinity for penguins. And every night goes out onto this small island where the penguins call their sanctuary and just deposits Oddball onto the island every night to stand guard over the Penguins. This actually happened. That sounds in, great. It is. This actually happened in reality, and it's now a movie. And it stars oh. uh, Sarah Snook from uh, Predestination uh, oh, and okay. Steve Jobs and Alan Tudyk of all people. And it's an Australian film. Is Alan, a- is Alan Tudyk voicing someone, or is he? Is he? No, no, no! This he's is a live-action, real-world film. The animals don't talk anything like that. Right, because he, he's kind of like a go-to voice he's, actor. He's a go-to animator. Yeah. That he's a go-to Disney villain now, I think as yeah, well. He is. Yeah. But uh, so, oddball and the penguins. We have a clip. Dad, the penguins are almost gone. If we're below ten next month, council is shutting us down.
1: Those bureaucrats—they wouldn't know if they had a it's, bus that couldn't not the toll. It Dad, nature is taking its course. No penguins means no sanctuary. No sanctuary means no job and, well, there might not be anything here for me. I have Livy to think of. I will fight for the penguins, but I'm also thinking about what's next. Well,
0: I'll tell you what's next. I'm gonna march in there and tell those oh, imbeciles Dad, that they've just got a pull it. Their- just stop. Unless you can bring the penguins back, just stop. So this is this is it. Australians are doing this thing now where they they seem to have cracked the family film formula. And we had this recently with that film Paper Planes with Sam Worthington. Oh yeah, I remember that. And, and Ed Oxenbolt. yeah, uh, of you know the kid from uh, The Visit, the who, rapper, the rapper, Mini from rapper. The visit. yeah. Yep. him. Um, well, they seem to have cracked the family film formula. They seem to be the only game in town as far as the as far as the old school fully fledged PG rated family film goes and they do it fairly well because they've, they've sort of stumbled onto this idea now of just make a straight film. Don't talk down to anyone and have done with it. Make sure it's a little bit fun, a little bit heartwarming Mm -hmm. and tick those boxes and it's all good and this is another entry into that canon it, it, you're not going to watch this with like you know the, the same edge of your seat verve with which you'll watch the usual suspects or anything like that but <laughs> unless it's like a pretty major twist <laughs> a pretty major twist
1: there is a Audi, sort
0: of Audi is indeed Kevin Spacey there is kind of a It element to yeah. it as well in a strange way but it is this heartwarming very enjoyable family film and you've got uh, Shane Jacobson plays uh, the, the, the farmer at the centre mm. all his name is Swampy and in reality his name is Swampy as well um but I think the the real star of the film is is Oddball himself, who is this this, this just likable little dog. He's he's really fun, and then you've, of course you've got um just it, it, you've got these really adorable little penguins as well. And I, I'm gushing a little bit in the in the worst possible way because I did sucker for it. I watched it. Though. I'm kind of enjoying this. You do so like, seem
1: to be in love with a film about penguins and a, a penguins being
0: looked after by a dog. What what's there? Daddy's the most family it's, film. It's concept. better than being looked after by Jim Carrey. It's better than being. i well, put this way. I, I walked out and thought, you know what? I don't care how schmaltzy that was. It was light years better than Gem and the Holograms. But it was light beams better than Gem and the holograms. What was that
1: robot called again? Synergy.
0: synergy. Synergy. There was no synergy in Gem and the Holograms. No. There was none at all. Uh, so let's uh, let's have another piece of film news. and oh, we got to talk about X Men Legion. Oh, we I about love that. this news. So this is the FX TV series, which is going to be yes. set in the X-Men universe, although it might not be now. But it's an, it's set, it is an X-Men yeah. TV show. And this is going to follow the son of uh, Charles Xavier. And it's now going to star Dan Stevens as the son of Charles Xavier and Aubrey Plaza. And most importantly to me, Gene Smart... Are you aware of Jean Smart? I am aware of Jean Smart. Martha Logan from 24. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Martha Logan from 24 is going to be an X-Men series. That's a good start for that cast. Have you yeah. got uh, any other pieces
0: of film news? I can give you one that will absolutely, absolutely mortify you. The Gibby. writer of Deuce Bigelow, <clears throat> male gigolo. There was a writer for that film? There apparently was, and that writer was not Rob Schneider, it turns out. Hmm. His name was Harris Goldberg. He's barely written uh, you know, much outside of that, but he is writing a prequel to The Three Stooges. We don't need that. We don't, but they seem to think it's the start of a potential franchise because the world's crying out.
1: for that. Are we going to have like an individual standalone film for each individual Stooge, and then another reboot? A shared, a shared, three a shared Stooge universe. Stoogiverse. Stoogiverse. Yeah, that, that's it. how it
0: works. So, <laughs> final review of the week then. Last one. Final, final review. Let's talk about the Green Inferno then. This is uh, Mister Roth. This is Mister Roth, and uh, this... not Tim. No, not not Tim. Not Tim. No, no, that he's got a film coming out there in a couple of weeks he 's directed oh, yeah. one it 's called chronic it 's coming oh, out in a few weeks okay. yeah so Green Inferno by Eli Roth, and this is uh, brace yourself for this one because never before am, has a sat down never before has a concept been so quintessentially Eli Roth as this one. <laughs> this is the story of a group of college graduate uh, sort of college students who are what I call hashtag activists. They're not actually activists, they're hashtag activists, who venture to the jungles of Peru in order to protest on behalf of this indigenous tribe who are going to be supplanted by bulldozers. Once they have succeeded in this very quick little mission, however, they soon find themselves incarcerated and at the mercy of said indigenous tribe, who it turns out are in fact ravenous cannibals. So so far, so Eli Roth. Exactly. Yeah. So far, so Eli Roth. We have a clip, and believe me, this was the only one that was radio friendly. Okay, you hurt.
1: What did he do to you? I don't know.
0: I don't remember. Cement escape. What you made a run for We just.
1: We don't
0: know if she made it okay. Alejandro. You know what this is. You know what they're doing to her. They're going to cut her. She'll bleed to death or die of infection. More days for us. Literally, four days for us while she bleeds to death. We'll be all right. They'll eat her for four days. And, uh, yeah, so this is, first of all, this is the latest project to be born out of what seems to be Eli Roth's ongoing South American holiday. I don't know if anyone else has noticed this. Eli Roth just seems to have been on vacation for, I think, about five years now. Maybe he just lives there. Has has it been five years? Just, Just keep him. Just stay there did Keep him yeah. But I, mean, I think he seems to have Come back now To do ca- uh, Cabin Fever The reboot Or whatever Oh of it course is. That's, that's but, thing, yeah. uh, So yeah. right he, he went Seemed to yeah. go to South America And he did uh, Was it Aftershocks I think it was Which was awful so, yeah. That was that, that was awful And then he went And did Knock Knock Which was Was, was, <laughs> was awful. even worse yeah. And now he's done this Now all three of these films also have something else in common, which is they all star Lorenzo uh, Lorenzo Iso, who is also Mrs. Roth now.
1: Ah, I don't know about.
0: Yeah, she's his yeah. wife. D- don't get me wrong. I mean, if if the guy wants to flaunt uh, flaunt how attractive his wife is, I'm happy for him to do so. She, she's lovely and she can act great. Um, I, I, I do wish you know he would stop doing it in cinematic form. However, mm. I mean, just just take a picture, put it on Instagram. Come on, Eli, just do that like a regular guy. <laughs> and uh, so as I say. This is this is this has been around for a couple of years. This film it was, it's officially listed as a. Is it 2013? It is, yeah. It's officially I just listed, saw that, yeah. yeah. It's a 2013, which has sat on a shelf effectively. Yeah. It's played at every horror festival in the world by now, yeah. and it's basically now just getting a release for the hell of it, presumably because. He's, he, we have to have an Eli Rothville every year. That, that, that's his, at the rate he knocks them out, we kind of have to. So this, though, has something of a surprise to it, which is namely that it's his first genuinely great film. And I know I'm in a minority when I say that. I I know I am the un- only. I was only not person.
1: anticipating you to say that at all.
0: Bear with me, just just okay. bear with me. I promise you, there's a method to my madness. Right? <laughs> it has all of his usual flaws. It, it's like the hateful eight. It has all of the flaws of that director, mm. right? But he has at least put them in a context in which it, it's okay, which it seems to work and coalesce exactly. Yeah. Yeah, like. He's he's placed them within a new context. It works. It's Danny Dyer in Severance. That's exactly what it is. He's still Danny Dyer. He's still every bit as irritating. But you know what? The film has found a way to make it work. That's fine. You know, you can live with it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So what you have here is a film which wears its 70s horror influences on its sleeve. It really, really wants to show its love for Italian 70s cannibal cinema. Hmm. It wants to show how much Eli Roth adores cannibal holocaust, how much he really wants to emulate Werner Herzog, how much he really loved Aguirre Wrath of God. You know, and these that film, how much he really, really wants to be Terrence Malick. But, of course, he's Eli Roth, he's light years below. Yeah. Yeah. In spite of all of this, you might be the first person to ever liken Terrence Malick to you. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It's entirely possible. Say so it does. It does all of this, and yet at the same time, it's absolutely fearless in this just energetic and visceral barrelling to the finish line. It has this weird. Oomph to it. And yet, at the same time, it's effectively deliverance in the Amazon with tribes instead of rednecks. Mm. It is this strange, it's very flawed, yet enjoyable. Little film that somehow manages to be well-crafted and engaging, despite the fact it's clearly made by a deranged, egotistical sycophant. And because that, there's no confusion at this point that that is Eli Roth to a T. That's
1: his bread and butter, yeah, isn't that it? That
0: thats his bread and butter. Um, Lorenza Iso likable enough lead, hmm. but she's she's kind of... She's a bit unremarkable. She's likable enough. But she is fine for film. Fine, she's yeah. perfectly fine in the film. She works. She kind of looks like a slightly more exotic Alison Brie, if, if you want the if you want the actual thing so okay. going on that one yeah. but uh, she does she does have the benefit in this case of being the only person in the film with an actual character assigned to her everyone else is an archetype now i've actually got a list somewhere on here there's the stoner the bitchy girlfriend the ravenous <laughs> lesbian there's the hunky douchebag there's the fat forlorn uh friend-zoned guy there's oh incidentally <laughs> do you want to know who's playing the stoner character in this you're gonna love this yeah who is it it is daryl sabara who is now an adult? Who is that? Do you want to know who Daryl Sabara is? Yeah, he is hit me up. Junie from the Spy Kids series. He is the no little way. yes, little the little, little boy curly the... ginger kid. Exactly. Wow. And and there is a scene involving a uh, spider bite on his genitals, which will haunt me until the day I die. Um, it has <laughs> yeah,
1: that, that scene wasn't in Spy Kids 4D, was it? No,
0: it really yeah. wasn't. That would have been a different film altogether. Not... Um, as I say, what you've got are all of his usual flaws. His characters are all archetypes. Um... His dialogue in the first act is atrocious. He falls back on the whole... uh, I'll I'll just casually tell you about this horrific act of human mutilation. And you're thinking, oh, thanks for that, Eli. I wonder if that's going to come up later. He falls back on that shtick yet again. And then you get to a stage where it's meant to be kind... And we're talking about it within the first act. It's meant to be kind of a twist that these are cannibals. And you're thinking, yeah, but... This is the film you've marketed to us. You've marketed a cannibal film to us. It's not in any way a twist that they are. It's more a twist that you think it's a twist. That's the twist here. And that's it. At the same time, though, there is this weird satirical edge to it where it seems to be sending up the idea of white suburban kids who think they're activists when really they're not. What I call hashtag activists, you know, because they literally they go on the the, these they go on the actual uh, demonstration and they're literally wearing hashtags on their shirts and, and streaming what they're doing. Oh, and, got, like, GoPros exactly. next to them, yeah. And, and the part that really amuses me about this is, is he, on the one hand, he is sticking his middle finger up at, you know, again, the white suburban, go to college, become an activist culture. Mm. But at the other end of the spectrum, there is a complete lack of irony in that he ends the film with a traditional sort of credit sequence in which every cast member's name comes with their Twitter handle next to it. And... Right. Let no. me put it to you this way: I should not know what Richard Bergy's Twitter handle is. But what is it? It's at Richard underscore Berge. Um <laughs> I, I should To be fair, I could have guessed what that was. I shouldn't. do yeah. yeah, yeah. I, but, the, most of most people. What was Twitter another people. film that had about? Was it The Duff? It was The Duff. Yeah. yeah. But in that I case, that. it makes that's, sense. That totally but that, works. That's terrible. Totally that's, that's, that's Yeah. The, this is this literally ends <clears throat> for no reason with everybody's Twitter details. And because most of his his crew are South American, you can literally go, like, yeah, Twitter handle, Twitter handle, Twitter. And then there's, like, 16 names that don't have a Twitter handle. And you're thinking, because there's, these, these are a Peruvian crew who, frankly, have no time for Twitter, that's fine. These are people who have actual lives to get on with, mm. not spoiled Hollywood actors. That That's fine. Okay. And, that, and you think, well, this is deranged. Why does it end with Twitter handles? I don't know. At the same time though, you do have the middle finger aspect And I enjoyed that about it I enjoy the deliverance in the Amazon aspect to it I liked the grisly, horrific 70s tone that it takes And I think of all of Eli Roth's horror-based fare Well, that's all of his fare really, isn't it? Everything is horror Everything, Everything he's done, this is my favourite of them all Because it's the only one I would ever consider watching again Genuinely This is the only Eli Roth film I will ever watch twice I'll probably watch Hostel again But It was a
1: long 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 time ago When I watched it
0: No No I, Never I really again. wouldn't Never again I've seen it once I have no desire I've seen desire. Cabin Fever twice As well
1: But that wasn't my choice It just happened to be on
0: Oh god I was kind of made to watch it The thing I always remember About Cabin Fever Is it has the best friend the Boy Meets World in it Oh yeah What's his name Ryder Strong
1: of course it is, yeah. Good, Which, good, good, that sat, TV does that not sound
0: like the title of a really awful porno? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's got like hyphens. It's got, yeah, it's yeah. going to have to have hyphens in it. But, on, that uh, on, on that bombshell. On that bombshell, um, I'd say, do check this out. It got its influences all in there. I mean, at one point, it even goes Wicker Man. You know, it, it has everything in it. He just really wants to make a seventies horror movie. And he's done, I think, a pretty good job. He's he's done the whole satire thing, which, again, is a very 70s idea, using horror as this satirical platform. I think that's... Is it uh, Jordan Peele's trick that he's trying next? Mm. He's trying again, let's go back he's to He's all doing, getting into the... Yeah, let's put genre, satire yeah. in yeah. horror. And that's it. I mean, it's a film filled with such gusto that you kind of have to admire him for it. And I never thought I would say this about an Eli Roth film, particularly after the god-awful knock-knock. And... Yeah. yeah, I don't know. So, well, that, that kind of wraps it up for me this week.
1: It do, I, well, sure. you have kind once, of backhanded compliments. Yeah, once,
0: once I've complimented Neil Eli Roth film, it's time to call it a day, I Definitely, think. Definitely.
1: I think you need to lie down. Yeah, I, I do.
0: I mean, lie down, stiff drink, good, good call. Yeah. Good call. So, uh, on that bombshell, then, here it is your moment of cage. I just
1: want to never forget to drink plenty of water
0: with that. Excuse me. Hi. I'm, I'll be right with you, sir.
1: Right. Hi, I need a refill of this. I don't have a prescription. Sir, but, please wait your turn. I know, I know, but th- this is an emergency. Hey, buddy, ever heard of a lie? Hey, have you ever been dragged to the sidewalk and being told you pissed? Blood! <laughs>